Hey everybody, welcome back to Studio HFL. I'm Larry Powell, your host for this podcast. I'm glad you're back for another interview. I'd like to let you know that this podcast is made possible by the generous support of my new co-sponsor, Messina Covers. David and Erica design and deliver both high-quality customer service and products, both standard and custom. Be sure to check them out at www.messinacovers.net. And Messina is spelled M-E-S-S-I-N-A-C-O-V-E-R-S. They offer their support through Patreon. Patreon is a funding platform where you can offer your financial support to this podcast, and your help will go towards hosting, production, and marketing fees. There are several tiers of support offered, and you can check out how you'd like to support this podcast at www.patreon.com slash studiohfl, and Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can also offer support by providing comments and a rating on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. If you'd like to receive news regarding interviews, new guests, access to Studio HFL merchandise, please subscribe to the newsletter by going to www.powellmusic.net and click on the subscribe to newsletter link. And of course, Powell Music, P-O-W-E-L-L-M-U-S-I-C dot net. And now, on with the interview. Man, you know, I was a fan of yours, of course, because of Empire, but uh, what really I think everybody's drawn to is your sound. Oh, And I, I hear you play, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's just, it's gorgeous playing. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you know? that. Tell me where you are, if you're teaching, where you're teaching, where you're playing, what kind of what's going on Well, I live right uh, in South Florida. Uh, I teach at Lynn University in Boca Raton. It's a great little conservatory. That was originally modeled after Harrod back in the day. No, mm. not Harrod. Uh, Curtis. Mm. It was Harrod, and now it has become, for 20 years, it's been Lynn University. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's basically the Curtis, the old Curtis model where everybody comes for free, and it's just one orchestra, basically, and about 20 pianists. This is a great little <laughs> sort of hidden gem in, 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 in beautiful Boca Raton. Yeah. And you've been there how long? 20 years. No way. <laughs> yes. I can't believe it. But I've really been there. I think this next year will be my 20th year. Wow. And uh, have you seen a lot of change in that uh, in the studio since you've been there? Definitely. I mean, originally when I got here, it was Harrod, and it was in a sort of a small building, and uh, it, was, it was a little bit smaller. And uh, then we moved over to uh, Lynn University, and it got a little bit bigger. Uh, um, and then we changed deans. And uh, the, the big change came when we... Uh, you know, had our current dean join us. Jan Robertson is his name. He came from UCLA, and he really um, got the university behind the conservatory. Mm-hmm. And then things really started to flourish as far as the level of the students mm-hmm. and just what we could do. And and you know, wonderful faculty. And it was it was really it's been a, a good a good time. Is this undergrad and graduate programs you got? Yeah, it's uh, let's see. There's bachelor's, a master's, and a um, graduate certificate. Mm-hmm. So size of your studio these days is what? Six players, which is... That's not huge. Which is great, yeah. So is that basically... really hand-picked kind of... Yeah, yeah, we have, we have uh, you know, lots of people come and audition, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, pretty competitive, and uh, the studio is just great, and there's really great players, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a great job. It's, it's a very small studio, which is nice. I really can give a lot of 
sort of individual attention. Mm -hmm. There's no teaching assistance. There's nothing. It's mm -hmm. just 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 the six folks who show up. You coach any chamber groups or anything like yep, that? Yeah, we do. We have a big uh, chamber music program. Basically, um, when Jan Robertson came in, he was able to. He just put me in charge of the brass department, and mm -hmm. so me and the other faculty just decided to uh, make the program or create the program based on the things we loved about our you know, mm -hmm. uh, schooling. And so basically we made an Empire Brass style chamber mm. music program. Uh, at this school, every student is in chamber music every semester. So Great. it's because it's small enough, we can Great. do that. And so we just have performance classes like Empire Brass used to do. And, you know, it's very heavy on chamber music. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I coach chamber groups and Hey, we, chamber music is such a great experience. You know, everybody wants to go and play an orchestra. Right. But that chamber experience is so valuable. It really is. I mean, you're, you're a much bigger part of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And it also is the basis for the training of how to play in an orchestra. Mm -hmm. So really, it's, it's great. It'd be great if the bigger schools could figure out a way to mm -hmm. have more people in chamber music more often because mm -hmm. it really teaches you everything you need mm -hmm. uh, for, for large ensembles. So are you still getting to do a lot of chamber, chamber stuff, brass quintet? Uh, I don't do as much as I used to. You know, I have little kids, and 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 once once I left Empire, you know, I'm sort of, I'm home here now for a while. It kind of depends who's in town. You know, Miami mm -hmm. and and South Florida people sort of come and go mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot. And so for a while, I was in a group called Miami Brass, which mm -hmm. had this, when Jose Sabaha lived down here, and that was nice. really fun to play. Sure. And, and I'm trying to get Craig Morris. Craig Morris, if you're listening. <laughs> trying to get Craig Morris to uh, to do some brass quintet stuff, so yeah. a little bit, but really yeah. not as much as, as I used to. Yeah. Um, of course, people know you, I think, originally from uh, Empire and your days there. And um, is it okay if we talk a little bit about absolutely uh, about that? Sure. Um, you, well, you put out a book about that, didn't you? A book. I think I'm secretly writing a book about it, but no, I didn't. Oh, maybe out maybe yet. That when I first met you, you were like, I should write a book about you know, <laughs> right. called the other trumpet, the uh, the other trumpet, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, I, my wife and I, my wife is a pianist, and we we put out a CD called the other trumpet. Oh, but, maybe uh, that's maybe that's, that's what, what I remember. Yeah, the okay. book is like a secret project that someday I'm going to write down all the stories. Well, it's not secret and, anymore, right? Exactly. <laughs> Everybody's going to be emailing you. Where can I get right, a copy book, of this? Yeah. Right. I'm just going to um, call it Rolf Stories, you know, yeah. and see how, see how well it sells. Yeah. <laughs> um, and forgive me for bringing this up, but I think, you know, uh, everybody showed such great love for Sam. You know, and I told you yesterday, uh, you know, condolences. Yeah, uh, thanks. He, he was, yeah, he was just incredible. Incredible in, in all ways. Tell me, you know, what, like when you first met him and you first got to play with him, what was, what was that well, like? I actually never played in the group with him. He had left before oh, I, yeah, he left before I got into the group. So who I, was the tuba at that point? Uh, Ken Amos. That's right. I always played with Ken. and uh, But I met Sam when I was a kid at, at the Empire Brass Seminar at Tanglewood. So I've <laughs> known him since, I, you know, I think maybe, I'm trying to think what year I went there, maybe 1987. 1987, that's insane. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's oh, when I met him, and he was just amazing. Back in the day. Back right? in the day, the good old days. <laughs> he was just, the, from the second I, I met him, he was just an yeah. absolute ball of energy and yeah. amazing teacher, amazing player, just really astounding in every way. Just yeah. amazing, amazing yeah. guy. He, he's, he will really be missed. I mean, he was doing that same sort of stuff, being inspirational and amazing last year, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I don't, it's not 1987 anymore. He just was a, a really special person. Yeah. You know? 
Um, never, never, I heard him live. Uh, never got to meet him, but listening to that Brass Junkies podcast interview. Yeah. Uh, you got such great insight. And, you know, like the guys, I was in tears listening to this podcast, you know, as he was talking about how he had survived sure. at that point, and he thought he was all free and clear. Right, right, right. Uh, but you could just tell. Uh, Soft-hearted, tender-hearted, and it was all about sharing everything. Yeah. You know, very it really moving. was, and he was really smart, and and he was a great communicator. Yeah, there's a lot of smart people out there, and a lot of people who are who who care, but he was really able to to communicate in mm-hmm. a way that you can really get what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, he just I don't know if that, I assume that came naturally to him. I don't, I don't think that's something you can really practice, but no, I, just, that's not anything I think you can fake. Yeah, exactly. Or, or you might be able to learn it, but certainly not. Right. No, it's just yeah. the, just genuine, beautiful person. Yeah. Just beautiful. I mean, and he touched so many lives. I mean, just, yeah. yeah, well, he's really, he was the best. So Amos was tuba player. He was. And, and Hartman was still there. Scott was there at the very beginning yeah. uh, when I played and, and playing with both those guys. I mean, my, my original, you know, memory of, of being in, the, in that group was just getting in there and thinking, okay, you know, I, I, I auditioned and I got into Empire Brass. Oh, I can play pretty well. And just feeling like <laughs> the the level that I walked into was just another, it was another world. Mm. I mean, I thought I had pretty good time. Not so much, you know. I mean, <laughs> you sit, it was like between Ken Amos and Ronald Smedvig, it was like a Swiss watch. You know what I mean? Wow. It was just like, wow, I really cannot play one phrase in time. It was just amazing. And uh, that's what I really loved about the early days was just, Everybody in the room was better than me, and I had I, I had a goal, you know, to, to to try to play as well as they played, you know. So you know, I didn't realize it was by uh, audition. I thought maybe by invitation, but of course, you know, they would have heard you play at the institute. Yeah, I knew I knew all the guys. Yeah, right? I, I knew them all. Um, so were you invited to audition? Yeah, there was an audition. It was it was kind of funny. I was in Taiwan with another brass quintet uh, called the Epic Brass, which I mm-hmm. toured with for a few years. Had a great time, and. Um, Rolf called me and said, "There's there's this audition. Can you you know can you be there? We have a Japan tour in two weeks or something, you know." And it was my first time in Taiwan, and so he said, "When do you get back? Okay, you get back on Saturday. So come out to his barn. He would call it his house uh, on Sunday." Mm-hmm. Now at this point, I didn't know that when you come back from Asia, you you need to sleep for four days, and you're you know <laughs> you're, you're nuts. Uh, but I was absolutely hey, the Empire Brass guy called. Of course, I'll sure. be there. So sure. I got home and I got in my car and I went I went out to Tanglewood. <laughs> I'll tell you, I couldn't, I could not see straight. But the funny thing about the audition was that he said, bring your, everybody had to bring their, their tails with them. Because whoever won the audition, they took photos right after the audition <laughs> to send to the folks in Japan to put uh-huh. in the program. Uh-huh. So all I could picture was driving home with my tails, having not worn them and hanging them back up in my oh, closet, man. you know, and so, luckily for me, I, I, I did get to put them on and take those pictures. Yeah. But uh, it was it was pretty intense. How many others uh, auditioned for that? You know, it was an all day thing, so I, I don't, I'm not sure, but I think yeah. it probably was was under ten yeah. ten people. I mean, it was sort of an invite. You know, I think I think Rolf asked some people for some recommendations, and he sure. knew people, and and I think it was Tim Morrison who who recommended me. So thanks, Tim. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but it was it was pretty wild. The audition was basically. You know, playing a bunch of stuff, but I think the real reason I was able to get the job was we just started reading, you know, their arrangements, mm-hmm. 
and they were really hard. Again, it was noticeably like a step up from what I had ever played. It's great charts. But oh yeah, I mean, you know, really great. But but just like but the they Canadian... never sounded hard. Right. Well, that's the that's the players. It's right. Like, it's like Canadian brass. The old Canadian brass tunes. Right. Used to be in the New England Conservatory Library, and we go, <laughs> oh yeah, let's try this this piece that they play, and we couldn't get through four <laughs> bars of it. It's like the, these guys are dancing around the stage and playing this impossible stuff. Right. Um, but I think the reason later, many years later, that Ralph said I got the job was I just didn't stop. So I would get off, of course, or I wouldn't be able to sight read all this stuff, but I kept going. And I didn't say, oh, guys, stop. Can we start again at letter H? I just got to the end of the tune with them. And I think right. that was maybe the only difference between me and, and someone else there. It was just like, yeah, if I was lost on stage, I, I would not start crying. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the shows were memorized, right? They were not. Thank God. Well, I I'd think seen some They did footage. that for a long time. Yeah, and, okay. and, uh, and uh, by the time I got there, I think Ralph was over that or something. <laughs> Luckily. Because... Wait, did he call the shots? Oh, 100%. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> and, and you know, I, I, I really don't want to throw anybody under the bus, yeah. unless you do. And then, I'll, <laughs> and then I'll turn the key and start the bus, and we'll, we'll go on it. No, no. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. You know, I mean, we've all got our faults, right? Sure. Of course, um, and and I think it's no secret that uh, it was a difficult situation. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I I think back on the on the uh, my time there, and it was difficult. I mean, you know, Rolf didn't make things easy, and, and and the tough part was seemingly for no reason. You know, it wasn't wasn't easy all the time, but the time on stage with him in particular. It made it all worthwhile. There was nothing. I don't look wow. back going, oh, it wasn't worth it. I mean, he didn't do anything. I think, you know, he was tougher in the in the older days. I mean, I think it was the kinder, gentler Empire Brass by the time I got there, <laughs> you know, because it really wasn't any overt craziness, you know. Right. It just was just, things right. were sometimes difficult seemingly for no reason, but, I mean, the time on stage was a dream. It yeah. was just a dream to play with that guy. And, and you know, for me, I all I wanted to do was play like him. So, I mean, it's a dream job. You know, a lot of people get a, a job in the whatever symphony orchestra. They've had this dream to be in that orchestra their whole life. And then the, the principal, you know, they're playing second, is is they don't, they don't like the way the principal plays or the principal's asking them to do, you know, stuff. Right. So they got their dream job, and it's really not fun. Right. For me, I, I was lucky that my dream job was, ex, you know, that guy was, ex, I, if I could play half uh, as well as, as him and with yeah. the style that he that he brought, I would be ecstatic. I remember before I really knew who Empire was, I'd heard a recording and I'd heard the way this this trumpet player moved from note to note, uh, and I thought that is the the clearest, most beautiful. Yeah. And you know, then then you uh, read the album jacket and you start to learn. You know, back when we could turn the album over, right. the, the, the jacket <laughs> over and read right. the liner notes and all the stuff on there, right? Yeah. And. Uh, Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, life changing for a lot of people. But it wasn't just him. I mean, oh no, you know, no. I've had friends that studied with uh, Hartman when he filled in at IU. Oh, incredible! You know, player. who talked about uh, about that. And well, that's the thing about that group is that it was all superstars like that. Yeah, I don't think anybody, you know, rose to to the level of Rolf, um, but because he really was just the the, the force behind the style yeah. and you know everything about the group. Yeah. But I mean, I remember being, being a, you know, a kid and, and listening to that group. I grew up in, in New York, and I would go into Juilliard pre-college oh, on the I weekends. I hear it now. I hear the you hear uh, New York. It's, yeah. it's there a little bit. I went yeah. to Boston for school, and it kind of canceled out my uh -huh. my uh -huh. ball and dog, you know, sort of New York <laughs> accent. But it still comes back occasionally. Um, but uh, 
Oh, what was I going to say? What was I talking about? I lost it. Uh, my, I'm my so York. sorry. No, I'm you're so good. Sorry. You're good. Oh no, I was going to say, I grew up in New York, so I was used to listening to Phil Smith. Oh right, Mark right. Gould, Mel Broyles, you know, all these guys in New York, and I thought I thought I had an idea about what brass playing uh, sounded like, and to me, that still is an oh. amazing model. Obviously, yeah. But when I and I went to Tangwood um, uh, one one year, and I'm like, okay, let's see what this is about. And I remember, I think Rolf used to use Tanglewood as a way to get the group to rehearse every day because there was an open rehearsal in, <laughs> right. in quotes every day, and they right. play the same thing. But I remember that first time, I just, it was just jaw dropping. Just, it was the most incredible playing. It's like, you know, I, I was used to say with uh, I love I study with Tim Morrison, and I love mm-hmm. his his sound. I mean, that's where I. You know, you say I have a nice sound. I mean, I model that after. after. Yeah. Well, what I like to say is, if Phil Smith and Rolf Smedvik had a baby, it'd be Tim Morrison. <laughs> you know, because he's got the huge sound, and but it's also so beautiful. Yeah. And so, but anyway, when I, when I got to when I got there, I'm just listening to these these folks play. It was absolutely incredible. And, and you're right, every single one of them. That was the thing is that the arrangements were really well done. Yeah. They were really hard, but they didn't sound hard. Yeah. And all of those players. I mean, Scott Hartman. Oh my God! I mean, right. I listen to that guy all day. And, and, okay. Incredible. So it's funny. I, I watch old videos of of them on stage, and Scott was hard to watch playing because yeah. he looked so <laughs> angular. Yeah, he's right. Very, it didn't match what was coming out of the bell, kind of right? Jerky or something. Yeah, it's <laughs> but, true. But the sound, you know, no. it's like just close your eyes if you don't like what you're saying. Just close your eyes. It's, it's fine. But it's you know, fine. with trombone, you have to move quickly. That's yeah. what you have to do. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of like the ultimate. Whatever a, a trombone teacher probably says yeah. to a, a trombone student. When I talk to my students, sometimes I talk about if you're slurring, waiting until the last minute with the slur, oh, yeah. like a trombone. If you move the slide before yeah. you get there, you get the gliss. So you got to really wait and move at the last second. Yeah. And Scott's sort of the ultimate uh, yeah. example of that. But, I mean, the most beautiful trombone playing I've ever heard. So how old were you when you took this audition? Uh, uh, 26. And I'm trying to remember, on the way up here, you told me... Are you 50? I'm 49. 49. When, when people ask my age, I say I'm not 50. <laughs> gotcha. Yet. Yet, exactly. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. Um, and you were with a group how long? Uh, 17 years. 17. I call it my 17 years with Rolf. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be the name of the book. My. So, you know, in uh, in Kernow's interview, uh, uh, no, no, it was Palafian's interview. He talks about how uh, they snuck Kernow onto one of the albums, right? I think that's uh, right. A, a, I think it's a tune he actually sings and plays. That's right. I think the story that that's Sam used to tell was, um, you know, in the early days, Rolf would be, you know, <clears> that he would be sort of the star of, of, of a lot of the tunes. And the other trumpet, as we were, were known, really would play a supporting role and really wouldn't right. have anything to do. And yeah, I think that when Rolf wasn't there, they basically went back into the studio and uh, recorded Jeff singing and playing, right. put on a happy face. Yeah, and I think our, you know, so. So they, yeah, they did that, and I don't think anyone told Rolf that that was no. going to be on the record. No, they said he was furious, of course. <laughs> of course. So yeah. my question is: is what subversive thing did you do to to oh, <laughs> that's get out there? That's so interesting. <laughs> I, I hate to paint myself such a such a good boy, but I was so happy to be there, and I would do anything that that guy said. And that was where it was a little bit weird, you know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if he asked something that was a little obnoxious or whatever i just wanted to make him happy and yeah. not get fired and play so i i didn't do there was there wasn't any of that yeah. and actually at that point you know he's getting a little bit older and uh i think he after a little while i was able to he would give me a few things here and there to play you know we'd go back and forth 
uh, on some Renaissance tunes. Or he never gave me a solo to play. I literally never played a solo with him, with the group. Um, but I had plenty. I had plenty to do. I just, I really liked, you know, creating, uh, you know, being part of the sound of that group and and making him sound mm-hmm. even better than mm-hmm. he can sound without me. That was sort of was my goal. Mm-hmm. And so I never, I never really cared that much about that. I wanted to play and, and you know have my moments and mm-hmm. have someone come tell me how wonderful I sound after the concert. Well, but it was more about just playing in the group was for yeah. me was so fun. I mean, there's still just five of you on stage. Right. You know, there's still everybody's eyes are on you, everybody's eyes are on Yeah. Yeah and and I know we all show up and watch if I'm a trumpet player, I show up and watch and listen to the trumpets. Of course, yeah. Uh, yeah. Unless it was Canadian brass or unless it was Empire brass. And then you couldn't help but just yeah. enjoy everybody playing on right. stage. Yeah. I interviewed Ronnie Rom, and I had no idea he had auditioned twice for the L.A. Phil. Oh, nice. And I said, the trumpet world is so grateful that you never won that job. <laughs> exactly. Because think about it. Yeah. You know, he never would have met Fred Mills. They never would have, I mean, Canadian brass and what they contributed to Massive, repertoire yeah. and yeah. performance and entertainment. It's brass but but, but yeah. it's the same thing with Empire. You know, it's, oh my gosh, you know, you're so grateful to have uh, Bernstein uh, do what yeah. he did, and yeah. uh, and that uh, you got to be a part of that. I mean, that's I just, know it was incredible. That's that unreal. Incredible. Yeah, it re- it really is. I mean, it it was just great. It was really very lucky. It just worked out, and mm-hmm. uh, I was able to have fun for a really long time. Yeah. You know, and uh, not I I know that not a lot of people get that. You know, you, yeah. you get to really enjoy what you're doing and and do exactly what you want to do right. you know, for a long time. I, I miss it. I really miss it. When I left, I didn't think I'd miss it. I was pretty tired of touring. I had little kids. That was going to be my next question yeah. is, you yeah. know, was it really busy uh, while you were in there? It, it wasn't terribly busy. I mean, the group, by the time I got in, was was uh, well-known enough uh, that we didn't do tons of concerts because Rolf could make all the money he needed to make <laughs> not doing that many concerts. So right. he, we didn't make any money, but... Um, so it really wasn't terribly busy. Um, it was it was it was kind of perfect actually. Mm-hmm. You know, you do it was a lot of run out gigs, and then mm-hmm. we do it you know tour in Asia or tour in Europe or mm-hmm. something. And but it wasn't like the Canadian guys. I remember oh. they called me once to audition. It was Ryan Anthony actually called me to come audition when somebody left. Yeah. Um, and I just you know this maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but I just was like there the the dates were it was like two hundred dates a year yeah. plus you had either had to live in. Canada, or it was another thirty days of rehearsals or something, wow. and I just was like, man, I would be so honored to to try to get that job. But I, I, I just, though, for the one time in my life, I was like, man, I don't <laughs> want to work that <laughs> that much, you know, and yeah. never see my wife and and, yeah. and that sort of thing. So, um, no, it was kind of a perfect schedule. I mean, that's why I feel like I say I feel so lucky. It was getting to play with Rolf. The schedule was just, just about right. Yeah. You know, I was able to live in Boston and, and yeah. it was, you know, it was, it was very lucky. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, what kind of playing are you doing these days? I mean, you, you'd, we'd talk, you, you get to do a little bit of uh, quintet when you said somebody's when someone, <laughs> when somebody come in town, comes, comes in and lives town, here for, for right? a year and they want they yeah. really want to play some. But Miami's kind of, you know, South Florida, you know, do you do a lot of salsa? Are you uh, <laughs> into, into that? <laughs> I'm into it, but I could never do it. I mean, I, I'm just crazy, a straight-ahead, right? <laughs> dorky, classical guy. Yeah. I really, you know, I want to play second trumpet in a brass quintet. I just, that's what I want to do, and that may sound weird, but that's, if I could play second, you know, I just, I guess from playing with Rolf all those years, what what I miss is playing second to a great player. Yeah. So when Jose, 
lived here for many years and we would play together, that's all I want. I don't yeah. want to play the Hummel with the, this orchestra. I don't want to. Yeah. I just want to get in a brass quartet and and do what I can do and, yeah. and really, you know, nail, nail the second trumpet part. I play in the Florida Grand Opera down here, the Palm Beach Symphony, mm -hmm. uh, every once in a while. So I still, you know, if I didn't, I'd never play because I'm not a, you know, like I see like Peter Bond on Facebook. He's practicing all the time. Right. He's still doing fun transposition things right. with himself. I'm not that guy. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't have a gig coming up, I'm not playing the trumpet. Is that yeah. uninspiring for your for your audience? Um, I'm just I just have never. Can we edit that out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's up to you. Yeah. But uh, I'm I'm sort of I, I'm I'm practiced towards the the gig sort of thing. I've, I've just always been that way. I, I actually find it weird, but that's just how. Yeah. Uh, that's just how I am. So I I have fun playing and I love playing opera. You know, orchestras. Mm -hmm. uh, really na nowadays, I just yeah. love listening to the arias. You know. Yeah. And sitting down in the pit and and, and yeah. having a good time, um, but you know that's that's basically what I do nowadays. You know, and I uh, try to keep in shape to play for my students. You mentioned Peter Bond. It's it's I was blown away by his interview. You know, he was talking about how he got the job with the Met, and he almost didn't get tenure. Right. Right. And uh, but talking about phrasing, he was once I started listening to the singers. Yeah. You know, and I love playing opera too. You know, sometimes there's not a whole lot for us to do. There, yeah, there's a down very there. little down there. Yeah, um, but when you do get to play, sometimes it's like hold on to your <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, oh, totally right. <laughs> uh, but I think some of the most nuanced playing that that there oh. is out there, and yeah, it's interesting. I think interesting. And if there's a supportive role, yeah, for any for everybody, I mean, it's it's in an uh, opera yeah, pit. Right? That's what that is exactly. I was just thinking as you were saying that. I mean, I, I wonder if part of I mean, I'm drawn to opera because it's beautiful. I mean, mm, that's, that's the is. bottom line. But also, that's how Roth played. He really played like a singer. I wonder if somehow subconsciously just hearing these beautiful phrases takes me there. You yeah. know, because he was just such a beautiful player. Yeah. I mean, it just, even in the, in the very end when he can, you know, he would, he would call it uh, sprints instead of long distance running. He'd play eight bars, you know, and then he'd have to rest. But those eight <laughs> bars were... Nobody else could play the sure. for eight bars that way, you know. Sure. Even at the, the the last concerts I played with them, you know. Yeah. So I wonder if that has something to do with it. That's in, that's interesting. But. Yeah. Yeah. You, you talk about you know is it bad that you don't practice or that you know that you only not that you don't practice <laughs> but you you practice towards the gig. Yeah, I'm not motivated to just you know. Uh, and you talk about being that supportive role. You know, it, it. I think it always comes with experience. Hopefully, it eventually comes with experience where you know those people are like I have to play first or I have to be principal. It's fun, but I think the more challenging roles are the second, third, and fourth parts. Well, that's you where know? that's where the gr a group sounds good. You know, whenever I coach, if I go do a master class and I coach a, a quintet, it's it's much less about the, the tuba and the trumpet than it is about the horn and the, the trombone and the, the second. That's where a, that's that's where why Empire Brass sounded so great. Mm. There's a lot of people who play really well, like Roth. There's a lot of you know great tuba players, really you know mm -hmm. doing what they do, but. The fact that the supporting players were at the same level, basically, as the outer players, mm -hmm. that's what makes a group sound like a group. So you got to get those second trumpet players out there to play louder. Yeah. They think, oh, I'm supposed to be under the first trumpet. No, you're not. You're still supposed to play equal, you know, yeah. at least equal to the to Yeah, the, make them sound the like an player. overtone. Yeah, exactly. Right? And it, 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 that balance makes the group sound good, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's really true. It's it's. I play, it's funny. I play, you know, uh, an Easter gig, and Ethan Bensdorf comes down from New York because oh. he used to live in Naples. Yeah. So he comes down to Naples, and we play this gig, and it's one of the most fun gigs I do right. just because I get to play with Ethan. But, I mean, I, you can really hear when somebody knows how to play second mm -hmm. trumpet, and it's just like, and I, I'm usually that guy. 
So it's really weird for me to play <clears throat> for me to play first on some of the tunes and he's playing second and it's just like yes. Okay, he's playing loud <laughs> enough and he's playing and he's not late on his attacks and he's not stopping before I stop. He just knows from the, his experience how to do it. And so yeah. it is it's an art for sure. It's yeah. not a, it's not an art where you get awards or or <laughs> praise even usually well, but but <laughs> knowing how to play second trumpet is is a, is a thing. I had a uh, a regional orchestra gig still have it and uh the longest I'd had a second trumpet player was seven years. I'm, I'm principal in the group. Right. And uh, Mark Degotti. Okay. still a good friend. He's a Shires artist as well. I'm throwing my Shires. Oh, that's Got to throw that's that good. in there, too. <laughs> um, but Mark, uh, fantastic player. But we always joked and said, Mark, uh, you've learned all my idiosyncrasies. You've learned how to play out a tune with me. <laughs> you've learned how to, you know, but right. I mean, and I, I joke, but, you know, but that's it. I mean, it's, that's that role. You've got to anticipate and... It's a huge and part match, of it. It's you a know? huge part of it. Yeah. And he never asked a question. Right. He always just did it. Right. Which, again, I think, you know, he was, I've, I've had some other excellent players there, but they've not been there as long, you know. But Mark, man, he picked it up. And yeah, you start learning. Yeah, you're learning. You yeah. learn in certain situations when the person's probably going to come in late or when they're yeah. going to, you know, when they take a breath. And, yeah. you know, if you, if you give a cue with your horn, I always give a cue. I go up, you know, I'm yeah. supposed to go down, up. And then people play, but people. When I would give a cue in Empire, people knew that it would. I wouldn't. My notes wouldn't speak until my horn came back down yeah. after the cue. So I actually would play later than I would cue, and that's the kind of thing you just learn. Right. When Reese gives it, just wait. It's not gonna. It's right. not gonna be where he shows it, you know. Right. And so yeah, you learn those little tiny things about the player and what, what notes you play sharp on, what notes you play flat on, where right. you need help, where the second player has to play louder because yeah. the first player is a little insecure, or you yeah. know, all those sorts of things. It's yeah. really. Makes a huge difference, and it, and the bottom line is it makes the group sound better. Yeah, it helps the principal, and they like it because yeah. you're helping them. Yeah. But but it actually also makes it sound better. Yeah. You know? So, so who inspires you these days, trumpet wise? Oh boy! Wow, that's a great that's a great question. Thanks. That's my. The, can I get that in writing? That I actually <laughs> asked, asked a great question. <laughs> yeah. I I love Jose Sabaja's playing. Oh, dude. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's just absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Incredible, and you know it helps that he's the nicest guy in the world. I mean, yeah. he's just the sweetest guy. Um, but I just the the level that he plays at. Let's see if I can explain it properly. He can do anything. He can scream. He can play jazz, and and he is the most incredible classical player. I mean, I sat in the in the Florida Grand Opera for years with him, coming in at, uh, on a you know a high A triple piano, right? You know, and I'm like. An octave below him, not even making, <laughs> you know, being able to play that. So, playing with him was sort of like playing with Rolf in that I knew that if something was out of tune or not perfect, that it was me. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And that, that was great for me because I got to, I got to mm. sort of try to get better and, and play with him. But I love his playing. He's just he he can do it all. Mm -hmm. He's just as beautiful. You know, I was he had his recital yesterday, and mm -hmm. so many styles and so many really really difficult. Technical stuff just nails it, mm -hmm. you know, without seemingly any effort, and then he'll just turn the most beautiful phrase, you know, just a just yeah. a really beautiful player. I loved, of course, Chris Martin and Barbara Butler's recital yeah. a couple of days ago. I mean, both of them just played so so amazingly. I love Chris's playing. You know, it's like I said, I grew up listening to Phil Smith and Tim Morrison and these sort of like big note folks and uh and it's it's changed a little bit today it's become more a more lyrical 
Uh, not that it's not big, but it's just more connected, I think, than when yeah. I was young. And I just love how he and a lot of other, you know, young, younger players uh, these days just can really connect and make these just beautiful. That's the uh, thing I like phrases. about Mark Unaway's playing, too. Is, oh, uh, yeah. He, He's incredible. Incredible. The longest player. phrases, too. Oh, yeah. And a great jazz player. I don't know if you ever heard oh, him. Oh, absolutely. He's got a little combo. Yeah, well, he, you know, he was in Empire Brass before I was. Oh, I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, he, he did like the, the uh, he was the bridge from Jeff Curnow to me. Ah, okay. <laughs> he was just in for, I, I don't know, two two or three years. Um, Not good enough to and, hang on to the Oh, game, right. right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, they, he, they had to let him go. Yeah. No, I think he just he just got a job somewhere sure. or something. But, um, oh, yeah, just an incredible player. The same sort of thing. Just, yeah. you know, he, he plays classical music so well. And then you hear him play jazz and it's as well. I mean, it's just one of those crossover guys that's just mm-hmm. fantastic. You know, I'm, I guess one of my favorite players also is uh, Mike Sachs. Uh, yeah. I'm kind of naming the, you know, the, the obvious people, but you listen to Mike play and it's just, it's just amazing. I mean, the, the, the technical, you know, his facility is incredible, mm-hmm. but it's, he just lights up the sound mm-hmm. and it's just, it's just, it's, it's uh, something that I find a lot of players these days don't do. It's, it's not, um, that interesting to listen to them. They might play great, mm-hmm. but when you listen to Mike Sachs play, it is just every note has some mm-hmm. sort of amazing uh, front or brightness to it, or mm-hmm. and, you know. So it's it's one of those things where I guess the technique and the, and the musicality are both. Mm-hmm. You know, some some players can nail stuff and it's not that interesting. Mm-hmm. Some players play beautifully but crack a lot of notes. You know, a guy like Mike Sachs can just uh, you know do both. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. a pleasure. They come down to Miami every year, and it's just it's great to hear oh, yeah. every year. Yeah, they had a little residency at, mm-hmm. in Miami, so I get to drive down and mm-hmm. and, and hear them. So yeah, it's, it's fun. Did you start on trumpet? Uh, I did, I did. It was sort of a random thing. I I uh, I was in I think it was fifth grade, and we were walking down the hall going to gym or something, and uh, one of the trumpet players in the band just got braces and quit or something. I just literally happened to be in the hall mm-hmm. and the band, I was the line leader that day or something and the band director was like, hey, you want to play trumpet? And uh, this is a podcast, you can't see me, but if you could see me, you'd know that I don't didn't like to go to gym. Slightly, <laughs> slightly, out, slightly out of shape even as a fifth grader. Yeah. And I was like, sure. I don't know what he was talking about, but okay, no yeah. gym? Good, let's yeah. go. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's been that way ever since. But yeah, so just sort of randomly, I, I started uh, in fifth grade, and right immediately, I just never, I know it sounds corny, but I never wanted to do anything else. I just loved it. I was the sixth <laughs> grader listening to Maurice Andre records, going to sleep, and I just loved trumpet from the second, mm-hmm. you know, I started doing it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, no, I never played anything else. No one in my family played, it, played an instrument. It just was totally random. Well, that doesn't fit the model of the answer <laughs> that, you know, most people get. Right, yeah, nothing. You know? No, nope. uh, listening to my sweet father try to sing in the car is, is which means I probably should not be a musician. Right? My, my dad said I, he couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. Right, exactly. Kind of thing, yeah, you know? yeah. So he could just, whistle. Yeah. yeah I mean, he, and he could whistle beautifully. But yeah. uh, that's, oh, that's, that's great, man. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're, here's the big interview question. Where do you see yourself in five to ten years? Oh, my goodness. Dude, it's early in the morning. What are you doing to me? <laughs> okay, where, where do you see, see yourself in five minutes? <laughs> Right. <laughs> at the coffee stand. Um, where do I see myself in five to ten years? Wow, that's a another great question. Wow, it's, I know there's like minutes are going by in a podcast, but I have to think about that. That, that I'll, I'll go double speed. Uh, okay, this. very good. Yeah, you'll move that forward. Uh, five to ten years, I uh, see myself 
Because um, you're not 50 yet. I, that's the only thing I'm, I am is not 50. Yeah. That's the only thing and I'm you're not old. I mean, this is <laughs> no, not old, course. right? No, of course. I see myself. Let's see. Where do I see myself? I see myself. Uh, the best answer I can come up with is, as I think everyone wants to do, finding the perfect balance between life and, and work. You know, mm-hmm. really, really um, having had five amazing years with my kids. You know, I have little kids. They're 10 and 8. Uh-huh. And they're just it. They're perfect and amazing. And yeah. I just having having time. You know, we all make ourselves so busy. I really just see myself having time to have family time, but That's also awesome. you know also in continue my work at, at Lynn University that I love. Right. And uh, just being happy. You know, as as you know, as you get older, you realize you just want to be happy. Hey, young people listening to this podcast, forget everything other than just be happy. I want to be happy in five years. My dad always said, uh, when we'd ask him, what do you want for your birthday? Or what do you want for this and Christmas? I'm just happy to have the family together. Yeah. You know, I'm, and I've been to that point now for the last few years where I don't want anything. Right. I'm exactly. just happy for everybody to be together. And happy. Yeah. And happy. Yeah. You know, it's it's the best feeling. Yeah, it really is. Uh, and I can tell, you know, they can't see on an audio podcast, but, I mean, you light up when you talk about your family. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, you laugh and, and joke about other things, but, boy, you can really... I can see the passion. Oh. I can see the, the affection you have for Thanks. Those. Yeah, I have a, my wife is wonderful, and my kids are just they're just, they're just so sweet, mm-hmm. and I just I love them. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I, I can't thank you enough for your time this morning. Oh, it's, my, uh, my pleasure. It was a really good time. Yeah, thanks, thanks so, for asking. Yeah, and uh, this will come out soon, and uh, uh, I don't think I'm going to have to edit. Any, you want to throw some swearing in just for the <laughs> sake of it? You know, I am good at that, but I'll try to control myself. Okay, good, cool. Oh, thanks, thanks, thanks for having me. It was a real right. pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you again for listening to today's interview. I hope you enjoyed your time here, and please come back for more interviews. Be sure to share the news of this podcast with friends and colleagues, and give me a rating on whatever platform you get your podcast from. Thanks again to Messina Covers for co-sponsoring this podcast. Don't forget that you too can be a supporter. Check out how at www.patreon.com slash studiohfl. And one more reminder that you can sign up to receive news via email regarding new episodes, merchandise, and more by going to palmusic.net and clicking on the subscribe to newsletter link. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you come back for more great interviews.